Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Madrigal at the Movies with Rob and Rob. I am one of your hosts, Peter Madrigal. Hey, guys, and I'm Rob Federick. So happy to be here again. Rob Schulte here. I, too, am happy to be here. And, guys, I chose a movie this week that I'm not even sure I am happy i chose but i'm glad that i watched it you know? I, I can agree with you on that sentiment yeah I, I, me yeah. too that's why i'm laughing about it but rob what what movie did you choose i chose uh 1987's the squeeze oh, starring the squeeze. michael keaton and radon chong dude by the way, I saw Radon Chan in uh, the movie Commando with uh, Arnold. Yes. <laughs> and uh, I had like a little bit of a crush on her when I saw her. I was like, but this movie, she looks even better than in that in, in Commando. Wait, I forget though. Is she also in Time Cop? I don't know. I, I think she's I never saw Time sure. Cop. I think she's like the partner in Time Cop. I'm not 100%. I got to She was big in the 80s. Find out. Cuz Time Cop's like early 90s. Oh man. I don't know. This movie um the way it starts off. Actually, you know what? Before we even get into that. <laughs> <laughs> What's the rating you would give this, Mister <laughs> Rob Federick? Oh man, I I don't know. You know, like this one, this one was a was an interesting one for me because I got to tell you guys, Michael Keaton is amazing in this movie, absolutely. Uh, but like, I'm also going like, wait, what? Oh, like I started <laughs> off like that, so I would say, um, I guess it would be a punch yourself in the face movie in terms of Michael Keaton's. If you're a fan of Michael Keaton acting and movies, I would say punch yourself in the face. I should have punched myself in the face because I had never seen this movie until now. So uh, I'm just going to give it the old fashioned punch in the face. There you go. Yeah, it's it's definitely like a boxing glove, though. There's nothing like uh, rough and tumble about this movie. There's not like a like, oh, my God, you haven't seen it. Yeah, it's not a Beetlejuice moment or whatever. So, yeah, yeah, I agree with the boxing glove type. Okay. Yeah, it's like there's some protection. It's It's a movie that like, well, I'll just tell you, this is the reason I chose it was because it's one of those famous vhs covers that i remember seeing at blockbuster like monkey shines or wayne's <laughs> world or you know just things that jumped out at you and this one i mean of course it's a movie where michael keaton is being squeezed by a giant hand between the world trade centers yeah. it jumps out now for a different reason but even yes. as a kid it was just like why is there a giant hand squeezing a man between yeah. two buildings yeah like, what is this movie? And what does uh, what does what does the twin towers have to do with well, you the know, twin what are the, towers? The twin towers personified uh, the Big Apple back then. Yeah, yeah. It was I at totally least like it. if someone's going to get squeezed, uh, here's the buildings that are close together. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I guess right now it's uh, time for back of the box, right? Oh, yes. It is the back of the box moment, gentlemen. People are like, oh, yeah, bring it on. Yeah, we have the back of the box. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, okay, I'll, I'll give it to you guys, and here we go. Oh, what's in the box? What's in the fucking box? Changing it up a little bit this week, guys, I actually had the, the uh, Laserdisc version of the squeeze. I felt it was the only way to watch this movie, and it, it goes like this. Harry Berg, down and out new wave artist, turning from one scam to another, 
meets bill collector Rachel Dobbs when she shows up with a summons for unpaid alimony. Rachel, also an aspiring detective, teams up with Harry after he stumbles onto a murder and the killer's get-rich-quick scheme. The chase is on as Harry and Rachel set out to crack the scandal before it's too late. Pop singer Meatloaf co-stars as one of the villains in the zany tale of murder, romance, and pursuit of the big score. Wow. Um, <laughs> okay. All right. It makes it sound so simple. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. But it's very, very <laughs> complex as a um, a plot goes. Uh, Rob, what inspired this movie for you to like, you know, pick it out? Okay. So I watched this movie because I found a copy of it on Blu-ray. Uh-huh. Um, legitimately. True answer. I didn't want to bust out the laser disc. Um, but- uh, cause I had thought I was like over the Christmas break, I was like trying to think of all these movies that had like iconic covers, but like I had never seen gotcha. because most of them live up to it. It's kind of like the opening credits for you, Peter. Yeah. Um, it, it, it tells you something about the movie. We all know that of course it's like the cover of a book. You're not supposed to judge it, but you have to. And I guess movies are a little different there. Point being. I was like, what the hell was that movie? I found a copy of it. I watched it. Didn't even consider it for the podcast until I was just like, I can't stop thinking about this movie. (laughs) It's not that great. It's not the best movie in the world, but like it looks really cool. And I think like part of it for me is like great actors, like the charisma is there, like believable Mm -hmm. characters, like there's some silliness in it, but like everyone's given it 10 out of 10, but like it feels like something's weird in the script or the editing or something because it doesn't like fit together. I totally agree with that. It it felt a little bit uh, awkward at times, especially with Meatloaf's character. I mean, I'm just like, (laughs) there were these awkward pauses where he's like smiling, but you don't know, like, am I supposed to be weirded out? Am I supposed to be afraid? Am I I supposed to be afraid because he's going to do something? Like, what is the feeling that I'm supposed to get here? Is he attracted to her or is he just like kind of rapey? I don't know. His one line in the movie kind of showcases his psychosis there. Yeah, I was so confused. You know what is very funny before I even, because segue off of what you said about the uh, opening which I really enjoyed yeah. because I like that old school 80s and I did enjoy that and I was like what is this what's in the box <laughs> what's in the box <laughs> I was like having that moment I was like this is perfect for our podcast right here yes, because she's trying yes. to deliver a box and, and then and, and it doesn't fit and so she goes to uh, and, and finds the finger in her apartment, which, by the way, guys, I don't understand. Okay, so some guy is dead in her apartment, mm-hmm. right? And then that never gets brought up again. <laughs> he gets brought into the police to question, yeah. and then that's it. And then she leaves to Cancun or some shit. Yeah, well, she's in Acapulco. Um, yes. But no, I, guys, I'm with you on this one 100% in the sense that <laughs> I just thought... I enjoyed the movie, but there's definitely a whole bunch of loose ends on this. Oh one. God, it loose yeah, ends I mean, is an understatement. A lot of things are happening going like I thought Joey Pants was going to be part of the movie like throughout and all of a sudden introduced this like meaningless sidekick buddy guy during the poker game. 
that you think is going to be like his chum throughout the whole thing. He's literally only in it at that moment. And then like a few minutes later, and then he just pops up like hanging upside down. Yeah. Like, they took they took Rachel or whatever. And you're just like, uh That's what I'm feeling like this movie had a weird had to have had a weird edit. You know? Like maybe. Yeah. Maybe well, that's why I'm was... glad I'm glad that you chose this because we can break this thing down. You know, it's not a good movie, in my opinion. It's not good. <laughs> I mean, I think the plot idea is clever. Uh, yes, the idea true. of like, hey, let's rig the lottery and all this stuff. But then I'm like, okay, why is it, you know, the characters, while they're interesting, and this is one thing I did want to talk about, right, was interesting characters uh, and, and character traits, right? But at the same time, I think there's maybe a little too many of them. And also, like, why would they fit it? Like, what does this struggling artist guy have to do with his wife that's tied in with, like, this lotto scheme? And who is she and all this crap? Like, it was kind of convoluted in that sense. Well, it feels like the very first poker game we see with Michael Keaton mm-hmm. could have been, like, raise the stakes enough where that box comes out. Right. Like you didn't have to like throw in this other thing with the dead body and stuff. Like, yeah, yeah. you could really just get to it faster, which I think would allow for like a more coherent story towards the end because it really like goes all over the place there for a little while. Yeah. And also, I mean, look, guys, I really do like the setup of the poker game because it does tie into the ending of the movie which is something that is really good like i think that that's a good trait in in movie making where you establish an opening Mm -hmm. scene that's going to establish the theme of a movie and then reflect Mm -hmm. it towards the end which is you know his bluff basically like is his bluff strong enough and you know you can tell that he's kind of a swindler and all that stuff yes I mean, I don't really necessarily have a problem that he's a struggling artist. Maybe that's why he's a swindler or everything like that. But I would have made him something else, man. You know what I mean? I would have made him a bookie or something like that. That would have been a little bit more coherent to the story. Uh, but I mean, I did like that that first scene. I thought it was great. And that's why I was so weirded out when Joey Pantaleano or Joey Pants was not in Part the movie of the rest, the rest of the film. Of it. Yeah. yeah. Well, one thing I will say is like I do like the through line of Michael Keaton's character. By the way, when I was watching this, the weirdest thing happened. Yeah. Uh, my brother Paul was on the phone with my – I come from a mm-hmm. big family. So, my brother Paul was on the phone with my brother Roman mm-hmm. in Texas. And um, <laughs> Roman was watching Birdman. So, oh. it was like – it was the weirdest <laughs> thing. I, and, and Paul was all like, uh, Peter's watching another Michael Keaton movie. This is weird. Really? You know? <laughs> it's like, uh, what is going on? But the one thing I do like about Michael Keaton's uh, character, apart from being a struggling artist, I, right, didn't, right. I did not understand that at all. Yeah, no. Was, was the through line of him trying to get lucky. So, it would have made more sense if he was a bookie because he's all like, I'm going to play poker. I'm going to play the lottery. I'm going to, you yeah, know, like just trying to get. gambler. Yeah. Well, yeah, but, but get rich yeah. quick. It would have yeah. made more sense if he was trying to, uh, maybe a salesman who's trying or to get a, rich or quick. Or deadbeat stockbroker. There you go. Shit, yeah. You know, like, yes, like, exactly. Uh, That's you know, that would have made more sense. You know, um, that does make a lot more sense. And I think it could have just like taken, you know, cut a couple of corners to get to the point with a little bit more of a believable character. But that being said, like even this movie and the way it's presented to us on screen, like, I don't think anyone could have sold it more than Michael Keaton in well, its current you're form. You're absolutely yeah, you're right. right. I mean, like the thing yeah. is, even though it's a weird role and it's kind of the movie's all over the place, like He's, Michael he Keaton looks weird too, and he acts weird. Yeah, 
You want to know something though? That guy is literally the same age that I am now. And I feel like he looks 10 years older than all of us yeah. in that movie. But yeah, I will say true. He owns it. Like he, like he's great in it. Like I actually loved watching him yes. every time. You know what I mean? I think he's mm-hmm. in literally every scene. Like, I don't think he's like, maybe he has like a couple of them that he's not in there, but he's in there the whole time. And I liked following him uh, in his character, you know? So, yeah. I um I'm right there with you, Rob. Now, guys, I'm gonna take a, a quick break and let's come back and keep talking about this movie because there's another character I want to talk about. Okay. Okay. And we're back. It's Match Girl at the movies with Rob and Rob. Rob here, one of the Robs. Uh, guys, I think that, I, uh, you know, people sometimes say New York City is a character. In, yeah, absolutely. The, yeah. Well, that's why you have the two towers uh, squeezing <laughs> on, the, on the cover. Um, I do love seeing, like, 70s and 80s New York. You know, like, I feel yes. like even though a lot of it is staged... Um, 90s New York, you think like Friends and Seinfeld and things like yeah. that. Home Alone. Like in Home Alone. Yeah. Uh, 80s and 70s New York feels like such a, you guys, to our audience that maybe is new, um, I live in New York. Mm-hmm. Um, Rob and Peter live in California. And when I'm going through the city or even walking around Brooklyn, it's like if I see somewhere in the 80s and 70s that it's like, ah, uh, yeah, X and so and so area, I was like, what like my mind is blown because it just looks like a whole other, other area place, you right? know? yeah they make yeah, it look really because, dark in those in those uh in yeah. the 70s and 80s movies you well know? and i know that like crime has fluctuated and like uh areas have been built up or changed and ownerships and whatnot but it is weird just to like even over time just seeing like wow i've been to that area there's a yeah. couple of times in this movie i'm like and it just feels so much more like <clears throat> i maybe authentic's the wrong word but it's like it feels so real i don't know it's well, so no, strange you, you, no you're right a 70s and 80s new york does feel real because it does have that grittiness to it and it's like you know dark dank gritty you know <laughs> in the 90s it made it a magical place yeah you know it felt <laughs> yeah. really magical with like friends for instance yeah. oh i love or, living like in the one city. fine day or uh, yeah. uh you've got mail or, yeah, or you've got home alone too lost in new york is like you know yeah. that, it makes new york city look so magical that's the 90s new york yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah, I I do want to bring up another character, guys, and and uh, yes, specifically please. we mentioned her earlier, but let's let's talk about Radon Ooh, the, Chong's the character, Jem. What's up? The one he sleeps with, the character Jem. Whoa, yeah. Well, no, let's not bring her <laughs> up, but uh, Radon Chong's character, Rachel, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, guys. Uh, I mean, acting wise, this one was not my. No. It, it falls apart. Very, very quickly, quickly. Yep. like it seems like my high school like you know play where like the people were like like you could tell they were acting you know what i mean like that's <laughs> kind of how i felt about rich like her sense of justice is like so forced half the time yeah uh and the slime line i just kind of was just like yeah. oh it made me cringe a little bit yeah, it was like, cringe uh i no, think the, uh, the cringy <clears throat> one was when they were in the um club and she was in the booth with those two guys She's, oh yeah uh, 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 I, i'm unstable i got a 
got a condition so unpredictable, so dangerous, that the police don't even have a name for it. And I've got a gun pointed right at your private parts. So you better back out of this booth right now. It just felt... It was cringy. I'm sorry. It almost felt like... like <laughs> no, I shouldn't say it. I shouldn't say it. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what I think. Um, I don't know. I feel like... I didn't have as much of a problem with Radon Chong in this, um, but I see where you guys are coming from. But I also feel like if you're like acting next to Michael Keaton, mm, Beetlejuice, yeah. you know, like did he already do Beetlejuice at this no, point? Wasn't yeah, Beetlejuice wasn't in that eighty nine. Sure, yeah. but I just mean like the energy style of okay. Michael Keaton. Like yeah. I feel like what you guys are coming from is like probably a bit of an actor trying to be like, God, how do I freaking keep up with this dude? <laughs> yeah, you yeah. know, and it may not have uh, completely landed as well. Cause it, there's only one Michael Keaton. Um, I mean, like even in scenes when she's talking to her boss, that's like lying down on the couch. And she's like, Oh my God. And they have the, the Bolshevik spies and this or the whatever. And like, she's just like, it just felt campy and childish to me. I don't know if you guys agree, but like, I feel only- like that is like a big part of like how this movie is put together too. I think sure. Radon Chong is probably the top of that, like you're saying. But like the quick cuts, the bright colors, the like over the top, everything. It's like this feels like a cartoon almost. Or what, like, you don't want a giant dinosaur TV sculpture <laughs> in your apartment? Before we get into anything else, what the hell was that? <laughs> What it, was, was that? it? Just for a nightclub? It was just for that nightclub. The, but the first thing that I thought of was, wow. I'm going to make a nightclub and I'm going to make it dinosaur theme. <laughs> That's the first thing I thought of. I was all like, "Holy shit, this is a good idea!" Well, I mean, Take away the I'm TVs. Have a nightclub where the outdoors looks like the indoors, and, and the, the indoors, indoors looks like, like the outdoors outside. <laughs> Did you just grab my <laughs> Coming up soon on Magical at the Movie. <laughs> no, but that's the first thing I thought of was like, oh, this is a great idea. <laughs> I mean, that club was massive. And I love it how was. like, at, at first I thought that he, like, cause they were doing like choreography. Stage play. So I thought, no, I thought it was a music video that they were filming. Okay. And that like, yeah, I thought it was going to be something theater. You know, yeah, but no, it turns out it's a it's a nightclub, and I, I don't even know the so, significance of that. Character. I got a question about the t- uh, about the triceratops. Um, <laughs> With the st- was no, just- it actually wasn't a real dinosaur, Peter. Um, <laughs> <laughs> We're not talking about Jurassic Park now, are we? <laughs> was the, was he intentionally was was Michael Ke- what's Michael Keaton's character's name in this? Ooh, that yeah, is see, that's that the is, there you go. I think I that forgot. is a cardinal Peter rule. Yep, I think exactly. We know. Um, oh man, Michael Keaton's character refused Berg. to deliver the head of this thing. Why was he waiting for more money and the guy didn't pay him, or was he like just swindling the guy for more money? What was yeah, he? What was, was his done, intention? Right? It was yeah, finished. It was finished. He house. just refused to <clears> deliver <throat> it. Yeah, and the one dude, the owner of the club, could have just gone to the house and been like. Bring it to me. I guess because he was maybe being a perfectionist, but that's the whole point that I feel like that ties into why make him a struggling artist guy. Well, like he, if he had already finished something. Was it a perfectionist thing or did he want more money? 
I guess he wanted more money, but also at the same time, he was saying, pay me like the the last part of the payment, just pay me half of the second payment. You know what okay. I mean? Like, like he was saying stuff like that, but I'm like, okay, but like, what is the point of all of it? Like he finished it. Like he's got it. Like, why can't he just deliver it and be like, it's done? Like, you know what? To, actually, let's back up. What is the plot of this? Like, it's like, uh, like they have to find a buck. <laughs> okay. So, I guess- so at the base of it, there's some bad guys uh-huh. who have figured out a way to rig the lottery with magnets. Okay. Um, Michael Keaton finds the thing that rigs it. Because well, of his well, ex-wife. Wait, that's what I'm saying. His ex-wife is in on it. Because of his ex-wife. Because uh-huh. she won uh-huh. some of the lottery and left. You know what I mean? Yes. Wait, she left because she won the lottery? Well, no. She won yeah. the lottery because she was in on it and she's talking about the box and I guess maybe she tried to steal it or something. I don't know why they ended up killing one of her boyfriends. And then she skipped town with the money that she had and tried to set him up to take the fall for all of this so that she could kind of get away and, you know, be kind of in the clear. Not set him up in terms of fall, but like have him deal with the the dirty work. See, I didn't get any of that. (laughs) Yeah, I didn't get it at first, but then I kind of tied it together towards the end. Why did they cut off the guy, her ex-boy or boyfriend's finger? Before after they killed him, I don't get that. I feel, yeah, I don't understand that. I, I'm with you, Rob. I think that maybe this movie might have been. I would love to read the original script for this film. Yeah, and see how yeah. the edit different uh, differentiated from the the final cut. You know what I mean? Like, I like, definitely think that this movie is more about like, um, heist chase sort of film, and mm-hmm. it like. Like someone was like, give me a cut that's uh, sillier or funnier. I want this to be more like <clears throat> lighthearted than gritty. Well, we did and, get that. Uh, we did get that dramedy effect. Well, that's what I mean. That's what I think. Yeah. Like, and I think by doing that, it ruined whatever the original script had for it to be probably more like chase sequences, outrunning bad guys, figuring out the heist plan. You know, and coming to the end. Whereas if we had to like add scenes that were silly or cut a little bit more into this nightclub scene or this dinosaur or whatever, it could have been taking away from things that kind of just really kept the pace going. But you know what? what's funny to me is like there are great moments in the movie. Like when he first meets Meatloaf and they grab him and they're like. We're looking for this box about this big black. Seen it? Uh what color did you say it? Ah, no, I haven't seen the box. Like those moments were funny. I <laughs> yeah. think that you have an interesting villain with the meatloaf where he's like perspiring a lot and he has to have a fan. Like I think the, the dark comedy aspect of it was great. But again, it's just like they didn't tie a lot of things together. Like for example, when they break into the office and they finally figure out, hey, it's a lotto rigging scheme, right? Yeah. First of all, why would this guy hire Rachel to investigate, right? And the other thing is like the bad guy because he doesn't. I guess he wanted to throw the FBI off the trail or something. I have no idea. But then the funny part is, is like the little moments throughout the movie where, for example, they're about to leave and the one security guard locks it and points a gun at them, right? Yeah. And then they back up the car and then like five minutes of like ramming into each other happens. Didn't that guy ever, the security guard ever fire a shot before then? He just stayed there pointing a gun. Like what was the point of that? You know what I mean? <laughs> And I, I am right there with you. That was one of the scenes that made me scratch my head as well as like how many times Michael Keaton has to go into the gross, gross river 
Oh yeah, right. Yeah, <laughs> you the river oh, man. twice. The, or, the river yeah. that Kramer likes to to swim in. <laughs> <Yeah>. Seinfeld. <laughs> yeah. By the way, uh, the budget for this thing was twenty two million, and the box office take was two. Nobody went and saw this movie. It was a big flop. They called it, it was billed itself as a comedy thriller on a lucky streak. Oh, no, it's terrible marketing. It's not really that funny and it's not really that thrilling. Yeah, exactly. So it's like, it's not thrilling or funny. So I I laughed a couple times. Him doing like, yeah, I mean, there was parts to it. This is a, this is a cleaning your house movie. I think in the <laughs> on the bad side of the spectrum, you know, you know that once once it's once it's over, you've hit like a hour forty five, and it's like that's you know what I, I did a good amount of work here, you know, <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't really have to pay attention, but it's on. I love it. Who was the character that you wanted to talk to before we went on break? It was the New York City. New York City. New York City? Yeah. That's character it? of New York, the background. I thought we were going to talk about Meatloaf. <laughs> well, let's talk about Meatloaf. Let's talk about Meatloaf. It's, Why is, who is Meatloaf? He like a rock star and then he became an actor. I mean, it's like. I think they were, they were doing it simultaneously because Meatloaf, you know, Meatloaf never wrote his own songs. Those I never, I never listened to a Meatloaf song, by the way. Well, he's got some great songs, man. And he's got some great rock from the era. But like Meatloaf was never like a. In my opinion, he was never like a rock band. He was like a rock theater show. Like, like he was a guy yeah. that had a great huh. voice and a, a unique, distinct voice. And Jim Steinbeck like teamed up with him because he wrote all these songs. And like they, they Jim Steinbeck, no Jim Steinman, not Steinbeck. Steinman. That's what it was. Stein, well, I kept saying Steinbeck, which is the guy who wrote it. Nice okay, no, so Jim Steinman wrote. Uh, a lot of his music but it was always like a theatrical sh- experience like it was very much like a broadway rock air like feel so i feel like Meatloaf yeah. always had acting chops in him and i guess they put him in a bunch of movies the thing is he's really weird in a lot of his roles like let's just take a look at fight club on a in and of oh itself, yeah dude you know? <laughs> uh he likes these weird roles yes so, he does because he was a creepy looking dude anyway you know so kind of i think he's just him. like happy to lean into like big character roles that also like don't seem to come with a lot of you know like not a lot to do like maybe a handful of scenes in a movie right hmm. um i think that the, well the way he dies Meatloaf is hilarious <laughs> <laughs> go sorry. on peter i'm sorry like first of all who has a a, a lighter that big in the shape of the Empire State Building. With, with by the uh, way, the Empire State, like, spike at the end of it being, like, twice the size of the building. Where does that come from? How do you buy that? Because I will buy that. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if they are made anymore. But next time I'm in, uh, in uh, an area where there's overpriced goods, I will look and see if they've got a giant uh empire state building like i wonder i wonder though if they sell it like at laguardia or something like that like they probably oh my used god to i'll bet the you they did you know, probably but, not if it's a lighter though yeah um, not anymore <laughs> i mean but still like you know the, like that was kind of comical i don't think that you would die from that i think you would just break the the i bet you it's made out of cheap plastic and it would break if well, you it was, fell it was metal it. it was like a spike oh, it was metal yeah, it was a metal spike and oh. it went right through him but the thing is that like I still don't think that that would kill him. I don't think that it would puncture him. I think it would just like the slide the other direction. Maybe. maybe. Guys, you're going to hear something crazy. Sorry to interrupt. No, it's fine. But I've got Meatloaf's IMDb pulled up. Yeah. And there are plenty of things before the squeeze 
Some of them are his like live videos and stuff. Yeah. But it looks like through Fight Club, which came up in 99, he had at least one acting role in something every year, sometimes two. Damn. And he's continued to keep going through. He's got something from that was in the making or a TV series, I guess, that he's currently doing. It's crazy. Mm. I did not expect him to be like yeah, he's still going that strong. transcendent. <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to lie. I think Meatloaf is a pretty good actor. I mean, like I was very convinced with his performance in Fight Club. You know what I mean? Like I thought oh, yeah. he was great in it. He's been in a couple of other things too where he's played a villain or other things. And like, you know, it's just because he's a big dude. You know what I mean? He's just this <laughs> big dude that like can he, I guess he can act, you know? Well, uh, I mean, like this was not very, this role was just kind of like, I don't know. I didn't know how to how to feel about it. You know what I mean? Which I guess is <laughs> well, the feels point. Feels like a lot of his shit got cut too. <clears throat> yeah, I'll bet you. I'll, yeah, but I mean, I guess it's the point where the, you know, are you supposed to be intimidated by this guy? I don't I'm, or, or freaked out by him, weirded out. You know, you know what? He fits the typical 80s villain for me. Like, if you look at, like, Lethal Weapon and, like, you know, um, mm. like, all these other Double movies. Dragon. Yeah, like, all these old... <laughs> Double Dragon, like... <laughs> These ancient, like these eighties movies, there was always like a weird villain with like the slick back hair and like the express, mm. like you know, kind of a evil face and like not a lot of words and stuff like that. Like, and and it was kind of a typical eighties thing. I don't know yeah. why, like the suit, creepy looking slick back villain, and I feel like that's who he was in this movie. Gotcha, totally. Um, I have a question at the last scene before we get into our favorite moments on the on the movie because like my favorite moment is when they're at the beach and he just like does circles around on the sand in the car for no reason like i didn't <laughs> understand love, that <laughs> <laughs> um uh, um no i'm um um wondering why during the lottery announcement the the numbers everyone started rushing the stage all the all the 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 crowd they started why i mean like you're not expected to win this thing it's like no but you didn't see what was happening no he he hijacked the like control tower where they were doing all the display stuff and he started showcasing the number Mm -hmm. on the screen before it was chosen yeah so like let's say people knew it it was rigged exactly it was rigged it wasn't it wasn't like you know if you draw three then it pops up on the screen to say three so everybody can see it yeah. But he was pulling out, like, he was popping up a three on the screen before the ball came out, and it would be a three. And then it was a three. And then, so they would know, hey, this thing's rigged, like, this isn't legitimate, and everybody stormed it. And I guess they beat and the it, shit out of him. <laughs> yeah, that yeah, was the, the, the scariest part. It got very real there, because, like, they do subtly hint at, like, how hyped uh, the lottery is that week or whatever. Yeah, because it's like what nine hundred yeah. million dollars. Well, shit. no, no, that was fifty six. But let's talk about the real lottery that's going right now. That's like nine hundred and seventy million dollars. Like I, ironically, was reminded watching this movie today in the morning to buy mm-hmm. a ticket again. For yeah. Okay, all right, Michael Keaton. <laughs> Maybe my my lucky streak uh, will finally come. I don't know. There we go. I love that. praying for you. Yeah. Um. Well, you know what, actually, let's talk about our favorite moments and our final thoughts after this break.
Guys, we're watching the squeeze on Magical at the Movies with Rob and Rob. Not currently watching. We all watched it in our own time. We popped popcorn. It was great. Uh, left us with more questions than answers, though, it seems. Um, true. It's true. Peter, you were talking about, I think we should talk about our favorite scenes and like kind of our, our final thoughts on this movie. But, uh, Peter, you so... It sounded like there might have been a little bit of sarcasm earlier when you uh, said <laughs> the scene about driving that car in circles on the sand <laughs> being your favorite. I mean, it was like sarcasm because let's face it, like why put, you know, if, if I was like a producer on this thing, I'd have been like, uh, we'll do one circle and cut. Yeah. We're going to cut. Uh, we're, just, we're not going to keep going because that thing that those circles, they go on forever. I'm just like, this is useless. This is useless. This is a useless waste of time. Like, it's like, why are you putting this much effort into them watching them go in circles? It's like, it doesn't add to the plot. You know, it's not romantic. You know, uh, what are you trying to do here? You know, it made zero sense to me. So I decided, yeah, yeah that I, of course I'm going to be sarcastic about it, but my of favorite course. scene in the movie. I don't know. I really, I mean, like, <laughs> I guess the three heads, the Jamaican shrunken heads. Yeah, what the, the fuck was that about? <laughs> this guy collects shrunken heads <laughs> and he gives them names? <laughs> like, what? <laughs> uh, if you couldn't tell, I'm the bad guy in the movie. Oh, I collect man. shrunken heads from... <laughs> I mean, what mysterious was, jungle I'm to, culture? To, I don't know what my favorite scene in this movie was. I guess the opening with the music and and the girl in the rain, and she's all like uh, the ex, the ex wife, yeah, yeah, yeah. and she's trying to like you know put the pageant package in the mailbox, and it doesn't work. So she goes home and finds the finger on the table, and I was all like, oh, this is gonna be good. That's like uh, That's Ninja Turtles too. opening. Yeah, it, it caught my attention right away. Yeah, uh, but. Yeah, no, look, my favorite scene was the poker scene at the beginning. Yeah, there you go. I honestly thought, though, that they were eventually going to run into your bluffing guy again. Like, I thought this was going to be a whole mm. thing. Yeah. I thought this was going to be a certainly set it up to between the two of them. And, there and then it just took a turn from nothing else. But I really enjoyed that poker scene because I thought it was clever how he just bets the car. And then when the old man gets in the car, I was like tense watching that moment because I was like, oh, God, he's going to drive up. <laughs> yeah, I, was, I enjoyed that part. Like, I thought that was that was good uh, scene building, world building. But after that, it, it kind of uh, changed. Yeah. <laughs> so. What about yeah, you? I'd have to say I think my favorite scene is I mean, I do love the poker scene, but. I do like when they, after they're done like running away and they get to like Michael Keaton's house slash studio. Yeah. Like the kind of reveal of the Triceratops, which also kind of just like the reveal of his like living situation. Yeah. It was really cool because like, quite honestly, even though he's like our age right now, it's yeah. like, I don't know what your rent is there. I'm sure you've got a deal, but that is like the, the biggest place you could ever live in new york city even if it is like just yeah. in shambles i mean it might be like a warehouse in the meatpacking district something yeah, like back yeah. in the day when the meatpacking district wasn't what it is now you yeah know, like. yeah actually you know God. what i i will say i like the scene in the club that was a great scene 
because it inspired me to make another club (laughs) inspired by Jurassic Park over here. (laughs) I didn't have that. (laughs) (laughs) Just little roars sampled in there. Um, Yeah. All right, Peter, what's your big takeaway from this one? My big takeaway is um, this is just me back to the drawing board. Uh, my yeah. big takeaway is uh, you got to get this thing uh, tighter as a script uh, so that you can really, so your audience can follow along. Because as you can see, even with, because I did, I watched this movie twice and I still, I still lost in some yeah. things. And yeah. that's why you had to like, ex- you guys had to explain a few things, yeah. 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 you know? And I'm like, and I'm the one that remembers all like uh, the dwarves from The Hobbit, you know, only yeah. glowing biffer buffer bumber, <laughs> you know. I, like I know, like you, I can follow films. Yeah. It's just like this one was just like, what is happening, you know? Like, why uh-huh. is there a French guy all of a sudden that wants uh, that with shrunken heads that wants this this uh, guy found? What happened to the dead dude in the apartment? Yeah. You know, because at that scene, I was all like, get out, get out, get get out, Michael, get yeah. out, you know? Yeah. And he so easily gets away from the cops too. Yeah, he's like, yeah, you yeah. know he was there before me. So yeah, like, exactly. Okay. And then and he's like, he's like, maybe you came back. He's like, do I look that stupid? And then that was it. Like, yeah, they, that was, they let yeah. him go, and that was it for the cops. Here's the thing, guys. For me, my takeaway from the movie is, I enjoy Michael Keaton as an actor. I I really do appreciate his acting chops. I think he's he's a gifted guy. Mm-hmm. I think he's got a great face because it's like a borderline evil crazy maniac face but also a likable <laughs> face you know what I mean? so that's really cool but like peter it's it's more so hey sometimes if you want to make a good thriller the less convoluted your story the better because the idea is keep it simple stupid you know what i mean it's just kind of like keep it simple and then use the action and the scenes that intertwine through it those can be complex. I feel like here they were adding complexity and characters and just throwing a whole mess. Like it was like a grab bag or collage of stuff that they threw at this to kind of try to keep the story moving. And it lost itself. I think it was brilliant. There was this box that magnify that magnetizes uh, lottery balls or whatever. Establish that, move along with that, introduce some characters, do some chases, but like let's not deviate from too crazy like, like, like too many subplots, I guess. It would be my my yeah. thing. So uh were those guys, you know, they, I, we didn't find out later till like those guys were like working for the French dude and they were the, they were all in league, but like it it gets crazy cuz it's like when Rachel now also, you know, she's wants to be a detective and she goes and she's uh, then she's hired by him to like, you know, investigate that. Like it can get confusing, which is something that I suffered from another movie that you, we've mentioned here before. Uh, um, you know, Tenet. Tenet was the same oh, thing yeah. for me. Tenet, Tenet was a hard thing to thing. follow. The last point I'll make with that guys, and I know I'm rambling here, but it's, it's okay. the reason why those movies, why you maybe had to watch it a second time, Peter, and you didn't get everything is because not because it was convoluted and you can't follow it. It's just, if it becomes too convoluted, it can get boring and lose its pace for you and you, your yeah. brain sort of tunes out. That's it, what happened. Yes. It doesn't keep you intrigued to solve the puzzle like some other mystery movies that are compelling because they give you just enough information for you to kind of understand what's going on. You know what I mean? In this mm-hmm. one, it was kind of like you didn't know anything that was going on. Yeah. So Totally. Yeah, I think just to piggyback off of what both of you guys have said, because you've both said a lot of the things that I think, like, 
the biggest thing in this movie is we have something that can control the lottery, you know? Like, that is huge, and it is not presented as huge at all. Mm -hmm. It is more like, oh, isn't this person now in a pickle because they have this thing the bad guys want? And it's like, no, like, you told us what it was or you showed it to us. Then you told us what it was. Then we figured it out, like, all together. But it was like, too little, too late. Like, it, there was nothing exciting about this extremely exciting idea. And if that's the case when you're, like, test screening this movie, like, you need to figure it out. Because if the... Everything else could be as exciting as you want to make it. But if you're, like, Chekhov's gun isn't yeah. exciting, like... Give me a break. Exactly. Rob, wasn't there a moment to when the wife calls from Acapulco, she tells Michael Keaton's character that the box is very dangerous. Yeah. You never got any moment where that box could have been unstable or dangerous other than the fact that when they turn it on and the tools all magnetize to it, that was pretty much, but that was before the call. I was expecting yeah. this thing to be almost like a bomb that was like nuclear weapon. Yes. Yeah, like it was yes. going to be unstable and it was going to add to the tension. Which is and why she got out of town. That. That's what I was expecting too. Yeah. You know, she gets yeah, out of town that's... because she's like scared that, holy shit, this thing could go off and I don't want to notify the authorities because I could get implicated in this whole thing. So I'm going to blame it on my ex-husband and he'll take yeah. care of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's what I was expecting, yeah. but that yeah. didn't happen. Yeah, well, and- it's just a swing and a miss on a whole bunch of different spots. And unfortunately, I feel like you they could have kept everything in here, like all the characters, all the different scenes, all the different whatnots, if they would have just like figured out how to make it work, but they didn't do that. And so nothing works. And like, it just feels like this thing got chopped to death. But I'm glad I saw it because it, it just goes to show you that... uh Although they don't make them like they used to, sometimes that's okay. Yes, I agree with that. (laughs) That's a great sentiment. I like that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, guys, um, I think just to let the audience in on something, this episode's going to, we're recording before our famous movie trivia, but it'll be coming out after uh, our latest movie trivia that came. post the soul episode of of this podcast and so uh, you guys already know all the shenanigans we've gotten into by this point we don't know we don't even know you have no idea (laughs) but you know we have no idea but i felt it would it would this is a fun time to uh make some predictions uh if you guys have any thoughts what you're going to be drinking so that uh, people can hold us accountable. After. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. I'll tell you guys this. This is what I have to say. I think I'm only going to ask questions regarding movies we covered in season one. Oh, so there's a little hint from my side of things. I'll tell you. You, you want to hit? You want a hint from me? I'm going to yeah. be covering some stuff from another movie that we covered in season. one. Superman 2. <laughs> I thought we were going to mention Superman 2 at all in this episode because it, it's become like this running theme. And all of a sudden, oh, yes. we need to hear oh, that yeah. theme song in the background right now. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, but you guys won't yeah. know what question it is, but 
It'll be covered. We'll see. We'll see. I'm going <laughs> to be doing I, some boning up on my Superman. Honestly, we give a lot of shit about Superman 2, but I got to say that our Superman 2 video promo is probably one of my favorites of all time. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> so let's give that one some props and kudos that it inspired us to film something quite amazing between the three of us. Oh my God, dude. <laughs> Definitely. If you haven't seen that, listener, go to our Instagram page and check it out. Magical at the movies. And also, listeners, make sure to leave us one of them five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts. It really helps us out. Guys, since I chose the squeeze, I'm going to take us home today. There we go. Unless you have any final thoughts. Um, My final thought is don't mess with magnets. <laughs> <laughs> Buy a lottery ticket? Question mark? Ooh, can't go. hurt. Yeah. All right. For uh, Peter Magical and Rob Federick, I've been Rob Schulte. This is Magical at the Movies. Rob and Rob, we'll see you next week. Bye. Woo! Magical at the Movies with Rob and Rob is hosted by Peter Magical, Rob Federick, and Rob Schulte. The podcast is edited by me, Chris Tyler, and produced by Rob Schulte. If you're looking to support this podcast, check out the merch link in the show notes or just leave us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. If you have any suggestions for a movie you'd like us to cover, you can reach out to me on Twitter at Christos Tyler or to Rob at Rob K. Schulte. Thanks, and we'll see you again next week. Thanks.